about why not turn, um, we'll grab this sheet, it's got the Bible reading on it. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to John 8, that's where we are. So we're going to read um, this next section of John's Gospel. Let me, let me just remind you where we are. I, I, I keep, I'll say this most weeks, I want to keep reminding you of some of the big things that are going on in John's Gospel. Um, and we're in the middle of a long section in John that runs from John chapter 5 through to John chapter 10. And really, the, there's this repeated cycle of festivals that you, you keep finding that we're at another festival, and there's another festival, and the festival... And yet these festivals become a place where Jesus is being put on trial. He does a miracle in the start of chapter 5. He heals a man on the Sabbath, which is like a no-no for the religious leaders. And so he's kind of put on trial, and he's accused of many things. And in the course of this whole chunk from 5 to 10, Jesus is constantly being tested and accused, and the hostility is growing. And you discover that Jesus is making more and more incredible claims about who he truly is. And so we're watching Jesus on trial, but then you discover in this whole section of John, this slightly weird thing happens where you suddenly discover, hang on, perhaps Jesus isn't on the one on trial at all. Perhaps actually the one who's on trial are the very accusers of him. And you suddenly discover that the tide is being turned and that the accusers are actually the ones on trial. So that's kind of where we're at. And I'm going to read um, just John chapter 8, verses 21 to 30. But before we do that, let's pray. Um, We don't think this is just a book that we're supposed to intellectually study and go, oh, I wonder what it says. We believe this is a book that God, by his Spirit, inspired to be written. Therefore, we ask him for his help to understand it. Um, So let's ask that he would speak to us this afternoon. And let me say, if you're here this afternoon and you say, I'm not even sure what I believe, I don't know if I am a Christian, well, I'd encourage you to even now say to God, God, if you're there, please would you speak to me? Um, Please show me something. Um, That'd be a cool thing to pray. (sighs) Why don't we pray together? Heavenly Father, we ask now that you, by your Spirit, would speak to us. Lord, we ask that you would help us to stay awake, to stay alert, and we ask that you'd help us to have hearts that are ready to listen to you. Lord, please speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Great, let's read John chapter 8, verse 21. You've got it in front of you. It'd be worth you looking at it so you can make sure that what I'm saying is actually what it says. John 8, 21. Once more, Jesus said to them, I'm going away and you will look for me, and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. Who are you? they asked. Just what I've been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy, and what I've heard from him I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father, So Jesus said, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. 
The one who sent me is with me. He's not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed in him. Okay, I want you to imagine for a second that you were being asked to put together um, a children's Bible. Uh, and you, you, you need to get the best kind of bits together. And you're focusing on John's gospel. I wonder what you're going to include in the children's Bible. I wonder what bits you'd keep in and what bits you'd leave out. I mean, there are some obvious bits, right? There's, there's a bit where Jesus turns water into wine. Great story. Lovely pictures. We'll have that. That will go in. Feeding 5,000. Super. That's great. Little boy lunchbox. That's lovely. We'll have that. And then there's some great things like, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am, wa- I am the gate. We'll have those. Good shepherd. Oh, that's nice. We can have some sheep. We love all that stuff. I guarantee you this. This bit wouldn't make it. <laughs> Just look what Jesus, three times, Jesus says, you will die in your sins. Now, that doesn't sound to me like a very Jesus-y type thing to say. I thought that Jesus was a bit more upbeat than that. I thought that Jesus was a bit more kind of affirming. That's what we long for, isn't it? Someone who will come and affirm us. And yet Jesus says something here which really sounds very shocking to us. But the thing about Jesus is that he really is worth listening to. And not just the edited highlights, not the highlight reel, not just the best bits of Jesus, selected sayings, but everything. Because if Jesus is truly who he said he is, that is, if he is the Son of God, that means every word he speaks is like gold. Every word he speaks is precious. Every word he speaks is life-giving. Even this. Which means as we come to these words, we need to come ready to hear what Jesus has to say. There are plenty of um, philosophers and thinkers around in our world today. We love to listen to them. There are some great intellects, right? There are people who say amazing things. They write great books. And we love to think. And some of us get really into philosophy. Some of us love the ancient philosophers. Some of us love kind of slightly newer stuff. But we we love to find people who say things that help us to make sense of this world. Well, I want to try and persuade you today that Jesus is the greatest of all teachers. And what Jesus is going to do is... In just these few verses, I want to show you how much truth there is packed in here. Jesus is going to make connections that you desperately need to understand to make sense of this world. And so I'm going to try and show you those connections that Jesus is making. And they're what I want to call theological connections. That is, they're connections that come from a God-centered worldview. So... Theos means God. Ology means study of. Theology is the study of God. And so here is Jesus. He comes from God to speak about these theological connections, things that we have separated. But Jesus says, no, no, you've got to bring those things together. If you're slightly lost, don't worry. It's going to, make, it's going to become very clear in a minute. But we, our, our culture tends to um, take like an axe and separate up things that actually are supposed to go together. 
And we're going to see three things that belong together that Jesus is going to show us and that I hope will be really helpful to us. So here's the first connection. You ready? The first thing that Jesus is going to connect together for us in his teaching is sin and death. Jesus says there is a connection between those two things, between sin and death. Now, I realize they're not particularly upbeat things to start the talk with, but you've got to go with what Jesus says because you're going to see just how wonderful this is. We live in a culture that has divided those two things, right? That says there is a divide between sin and death. Yes, everybody dies. We know that. It's just part of the circle of life. It's just part of how things are. But that has got nothing to do with sin. The idea that those two things might be linked is ridiculous. But Jesus is going to say, no, no, actually they are linked. Okay, let me me take you back um, in the story of the Bible, way, 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 way back, right to the very beginning, almost the very beginning. I want to show you the first kind of philosopher who came into God's world. God made the world, and then a a philosopher came in with a worldview that he wanted to sell. If you've got a Bible, you can turn back to it in Genesis chapter 3. God's made this great world, and God says to the first human beings that he makes, that I want you to love me, I want you to worship me, I want you to trust me, I want you to enjoy me, to live in relationship with me. This whole garden is yours. Just don't eat the fruit from this one tree. If you eat that tree, you will die. Listen to what the snake says, the, the first philosopher who comes. Now the snake, it says, was more crafty than any of the other wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the snake, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the snake said. There it is. There's the first moment when someone took an axe to these two things, sin and death. The snake said, that is the enemy of God said, you will not die. The enemy said, you can sin and not die. Those two things are not connected. Live how you want. Live your own way. Don't worry about God. He's just trying to spoil your fun. Sin. That is, do what, put yourself in charge. You're not going to die. The snake says, you will not die. Jesus comes and he says, you will die in your sins. Now, can you see that one of those two is wrong? One is saying you will not die in your sin. The other is saying you will die in your sin. Which one's right? Because which one of those two you believe will fundamentally affect how you live in this world. It will radically shape the decisions that you make and the way that you choose to live. You see, we live our lives as if death is a natural part of life. That death is sort of the end. In fact, we use the language of death to to basically mean the end, right? So if I say to you, um, last week my car died. 
That's the sort of language we use, right? And you'd understand what I meant. If I said to you, last week my car broke, you would say to me, oh, how much is it going to cost to fix? And I'd say, thousands. <laughs> um, but if I say to you, my car died, you know that means that's the end. The car now goes to the scrap heap because it's finished with. And we sort of have in our heads that our, we treat our bodies as if we're machines. We're sort of a biochemical machine that wanders around for however long we've got, and then at some point our body dies. That's the end. And we've separated that out. And we've turned it into a sort of an, a natural thing, a sad but a natural thing. But the problem is it's very difficult to shake that feeling that death isn't natural. It feels so wrong. I feel like I'm made for more than that. Well, when Jesus connects sin and death, what he is saying is that death is not supposed to be understood as the end. Death has a different meaning. Death understood in times of Jesus and the Bible, death is not the end. Death is a punishment. Death is a penalty that God pays to human beings who sin. Do you see how radically different that is to our... Now, even as I say that, I can feel our culture, if they could hear it, and some of you may be thinking this, Thinking, whoa, that's a massive thing. To, yes, it's a massive thing to say. But that is what Jesus is saying. You will die in your sin. What he means is you will die in a place of punishment. And the Bible says this in many, many places in order to help us understand death. In, in Romans chapter 6, it says the wages of sin is death. That's what death is. Look, if you come and wash my car, I might pay you, pay you £10. If you mow my lawn, you'll be doing well because I don't have a lawn. If you um, do a day's work, you will get paid a, a salary. If you sin, you get paid death. It's the wages. It's what sin brings. When as human beings we declare, I'm in charge. When as human beings we say, I am... In, the captain of my life, I'm the king. That is what brings death. And Jesus speaks very bluntly about this. Jesus speaks about this punishment. And what he means when he says you will die in your sin, he means that when you die physically, you will die under God's punishment. The Bible calls this hell. This is not a popular subject. I don't find this easy to preach on. But this is what the Bible says. To die in your sin is the most serious and terrifying thing. But you've got to understand that Jesus says this because he loves. Jesus doesn't say, ha, you're going to die in your sin. In fact, Jesus says this with a heart that is broken and with eyes full of tears. We know that because in other places he cried and he wept over this. 
But he does not soften it. He says sin will bring punishment. But look how they react to him. He says, I'm going away, you'll look for me, you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. Here he is saying, you cannot go to God. Jesus says, I'm going back to my Father, I'm going back to heaven, but you can't come because you will die in your sin and you will be punished in hell. But look what they say, verse 13. The Pharisees challenged him. Uh, sorry, no, verse, sorry, verse 22. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? Now, at that point, what they're doing is they're mocking Jesus. That's a, that's a mocking thing to say. Is he going to kill himself? And the reason they're mocking him, and I want to say this sensitively, but the, way that, the reason they're mocking him is because in Jewish thinking, to commit suicide meant you went to hell. That would have been their understanding. And so they are saying, Jesus is going to hell. That must be the thing. Because we're obviously not going to hell, because we're like, great. And we can be lulled into this false sense of assurance, this false assumption. Well, if, if there is a God, of course I'm on his good side. Of course he loves me. Of course he's for me. And Jesus says all this stuff because he wants to warn us. And he says, wake up. You know, the interesting thing in John's gospel is that the reason Jesus talks about death here is because the gospel is full of life. John's gospel is full of life. Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. In him is light, and that light was the life of men. John says, I've written this down so that you may know that Jesus is the Son of God and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. The whole point of this gospel is that you may have life. But in order to understand that you need life, you first have to understand that by nature we deserve death. We deserve death as a punishment from God. There is an urgency in this. And oh, my brothers and sisters, we cannot mess around with this. Jesus could not be clearer in his warnings. It doesn't make it into a children's Bible, but it must make it into our hearts. As we think of ourselves, as we think of our city, as we think of our friends, we've got to see this. But let's move on to the second connection Jesus has made, because it, it does get amazingly good. Um, the second connection Jesus makes after he's made this connection between sin and death, he makes the connection between heaven and earth. Look at what he says next. Verse 23. Jesus continued, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Come on, Jesus, what right do you have to talk about sin and death and all this stuff? What right do you have? Jesus says, I come from somewhere completely different to you. And Jesus says, there is an above and there's a below. There's a heaven and there's an earth. Human philosophy says, imagine there's no heaven. I mean, it's easy if you try. No heaven above is only sky, whatever it was that John Lennon sang, right? Right? Human philosophy is this earth is all there is. This is it. This is our home. This is world. This is where we live. This is it. This is where we belong. This is who we truly are. And we've just got to find our meaning in this world. And then Jesus comes along and he says, no. Let me make a theological connection for you. There is a heaven and there is an earth. And to fail to understand the reality of heaven 
will leave you to misunderstand what life on earth is really about. There's a whole book in the Bible um, which explores this issue of what happens if you disconnect heaven and earth. It's a book called Ecclesiastes. And through the book, the writer says, um, he talks about life under the sun. He says, let's imagine that there's only this world. Imagine there's no heaven, right? The Bible got there way before John Lennon. Imagine there's no heaven, the writer of Ecclesiastes says. Imagine we're just life under the sun. Let's explore this world. What meaning can be found here? What purpose can be found? What is life all about as you look at life under the sun? And you know his conclusion? His conclusion is that life is meaningless. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. Because the reality is of just living in this world is that whether you are rich or whether you're poor, whether you're clever or whether you're not, whether you are successful or complete not successful, it's all meaningless. It doesn't count for anything because in the end we all die. But then Jesus comes. And Jesus comes from above the sun. Jesus comes from out of this world. Because Jesus is the very one who made this world. And he steps into this world and he speaks and he says, I am from above. Can you not, can you not feel how weighty that is? If that is true, his voice counts more than any other. Of course, if that is not true, if Jesus is just another bloke who happened to be born just like all of us were, then we pack all this in. (laughs) We give up. We scrap our Bibles and we forget it. It's a complete waste of time. Jesus is not just a philosopher. He cannot just be a moral teacher. He said he came from above. He's either a nutcase or he's the son of God. You just got to take your pick. But before you write him off as a nut job, you better listen carefully to what he says. Because no one ever spoke like him. And so Jesus comes from above so that we might know the reality of who we were made by and this connection between heaven and earth. Because you know what? It is there in that connection between heaven and earth when you discover that there is a heaven, there is a God who made us, there is a world that we are made for that you begin to realize where true meaning can be found. So Jesus says, you've got to understand who I am. I am not of this world. So see the connection between heaven and earth. See the connection between sin and death. See the connection between heaven and earth. Jesus goes on in verse 24. I told you that you would die in your sins. Here he is again. Look, back on that again. But look, there's a difference. See it. There's a difference in verse 24. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. You see the difference? Come on, you see the difference? If. Jesus now seems to say that there is a way by which you can avoid dying in your sins. There's a way in which you can avoid the punishment that sin deserves. And he says, if you believe in me, you will not die in your sin. If you do not believe, you will die in your sin. 
Jesus says, it's all about me. The arrogance, the sheer arrogance of this man, unless he really came from above. See the connection between sin and death. See the connection between heaven and earth. And thirdly, see the connection between the cross and revelation. Okay, let's get into this last little bit. Verse 25, they say, who are you? I mean, he's been talking to them for quite a long time now. And they're just going, they're, they're like, look, who are you? Who do you think you are? Can you imagine any other human being making these sorts of claims? Who do you think you are? And Jesus says, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. Jesus has been telling them over and over and over. And it might mean just from the beginning of his ministry on earth, you know, I've been telling you this stuff, but I think there's more here. You see, when you read John's gospel, John loves to play with words. He loves to use words and meanings and, and build kind of layers within what he writes. And this word beginning, just what I've told you from the beginning, that's a big idea in John's gospel. In fact, John starts his gospel like this. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. In him was life, and that light was the light of life of men. Do you hear it? In the beginning was the word. The word is Jesus. And so we're being so John wants us to see that Jesus has been in existence from the beginning. He was there when the world was created. And if you remember that, when Jesus says, just what I've told you from the beginning, you begin to say, well, perhaps Jesus is saying, you've got piles of stuff telling you who I am. From the very beginning of creation, it's been telling you who I am. And he says, I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy. What I've heard from him, I tell the world. Jesus, I've not just come to give you my ideas. I've not just come to give you my theories and my judgments. I've come from God to speak and to reveal stuff to you that you could never know on your own. They didn't understand what he was telling them about his father. So here comes the key, right? Look, look at this, Casey. Verse 28. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. What does he mean by lifted up? He's saying, to the, he's saying to these religious leaders, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, what's he talking about? Well, he's talking about what's going to happen in just a few chapters' time. Jesus is going to be lifted up on a cross, a Roman wooden cruel cross. We know that's what he means because back in chapter 3, he's already said this. He said, just as Moses lifted up a snake on a pole in the desert and whoever looked at the snake would live, Jesus says, I'm going to be lifted up on a pole, on a cross. I'm going to have nails driven through my hands and my feet. And he says, I am the son of man. Oh, that's a title loaded with glory and meaning. I haven't got time to do all that now. But when the son of man is lifted up on a cross then you will know. Then you will know. I don't think what he means is at that point they'll go, oh, look, he's 
Son of God. I think what he means is that you will never fully understand who Jesus is until you've seen him lifted up on a cross. Because that's the great work he came to do. The very purpose that Jesus came into the world was to die on a cross. And it's only when you see him die that you can begin to understand who he truly is. So imagine you'd never seen surfing before. Okay, imagine, ne- just tr- try and, you've never seen anyone surfing. You've never heard of it, don't know anything about it. And then you see someone walking down the road with this kind of board under their arm and wetsuit on and, you know, this kind of thing attached to their ankle. You'd be like, what on earth are they doing? You look mad. They'd be walking much quicker if they just walked without it. That's not helping them in any way. That looks ridiculous. And you might write them off as ridiculous. But then when they get in the water and you suddenly see them in the water, suddenly it makes sense. That's what they're doing. That's what they're doing it for. (laughs) This This looks ridiculous. This looks amazing. I get it. And that's what it's like with Jesus. You can only understand who Jesus truly is when you see him doing what he came to do. And what is it that he came to do? He came to die on a cross. Why did he come to, why on earth would the Son of God come from above into this world to die on a cross? What a crazy thing to do. Why would he do that? Because he came to save the world. Oh, honestly, the sheer beauty of Jesus. He came to save the world. To save the world from what? You already know the answer to that. He came to save the world from death. The punishment that we deserve for our sin. And Jesus, as he's raised up on a cross, as he's lifted up on a cross, he faces the death I deserve and he takes it for me. It's like, imagine, right? Imagine I'm um, being found guilty of a crime and I'm facing a firing squad. I'm going to be executed. And the firing squad are there and their guns are aimed at me and I'm waiting for my punishment to hit. I'm waiting to die. This is what Jesus does. Jesus places himself in front of me. He stretches out his arms and he dies. He takes the... He takes the bullets that I deserve. He takes the punishment I deserve. He dies. He slumps down in the dust of death. And I live. That's what he came to do. And it's only when you see the Son of Man lifted up on a cross, only when you understand what he was doing that you say, Wow, this man is God. This is the Son of God. And Jesus says, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. In the original Greek it was written, there's no He there. It literally just says, then you will know that I am. When you see Jesus dead on a cross then you will know that I am. That is God's name in the Bible, I am. This is a staggering claim. 
And yet you have to see this connection. Because if you split this connection off and you just want Jesus as a religious teacher or a nice philosopher or a clever man, then you, the cross makes no sense at all. And you will not understand him. And yet what Jesus is showing us as he teaches in just these few verses, and it's remarkable how much Jesus says in just a few verses. He says, you've got to see these connections. Yes, sin does bring death. Yes, there is a heaven above us. But Jesus is the very one who went to a cross to show us who he truly is and to take the death we deserve. So look, if you're sitting here and you don't know anything about Jesus or you don't know what you believe or you've found yourself in church and you're not even sure why and it all sounds very strange to you, please know this. There is no one else like this man, Jesus. He died so that you could have life, genuinely so that you could have life. It really was for you. And he says right now, if you believe, if you will now believe in me, you will never die. Yes, you will die physically, but you will not die in your sin. You will not die under that punishment that sin deserves. You will not die and experience hell. You will instead experience life, life, life that Jesus came to bring. This is what we most desperately need. This is what our city needs. As we see our city running around, desperately trying to find meaning, our city so desperately needs Jesus. They need to see these connections. They need to hear of him. We've got to feel the urgency of this. We've got to tell people. We've got to show people how great he is. And it may be that there's some of us here, and I reckon there's a lot of us here, who actually find at the moment, yeah, we'd call ourselves Christians, but we're struggling. We're really struggling. We're struggling with doubt. We're struggling with kind of discouragement. We're struggling with feeling down. We're struggling with being able to keep going as a Christian. Listen, you've got to look at the cross. You've got to look at Jesus. You've got to see what he's done. You've got to keep remembering these connections. Nothing matters more than this. This is why we need one another. I need you to keep reminding me what Jesus has done. I need you to keep pointing me to him. Because there are days when I lose sight of it, right? There are days when I feel like, what's the point of all this? This is hopeless. This is terrible. What do I need? I need to be reminded of Jesus, the one who was lifted up so that we might know him. And even as Jesus spoke that day, many people believed in him. Oh, that many people would believe in him today. There is nothing, there's nothing better. And if you're thinking of walking away from Jesus, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go and find meaning like this? Keep going. Don't give up on coming along to church. Don't give up on meeting up with people. Don't give up on coming along to focus. It's easy in September to go, yay, yay, focus. But by October, it's getting dark and rainy. Can't be bothered anymore. Keep coming because this is how we need. We've got to, we, we need one another. If we get locked down, we're going to need each other even more. Because it's hard on your own to keep going. But we need to keep being reminded of what Jesus shows us because he so loves us. Guys, we're going to finish and and pray. But let's take these connections seriously. 
Let's worship Jesus for what he's done. He loves you. He stood in the way of death for you so that you could live. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we read these words and they sound very different to what our culture says. This connection between sin and death, Lord, help us to take that seriously. Lord, I pray that we would see how serious sin is, that it brings death, eternal death. Lord, help us to see that. Help us to see the reality of heaven. Help us to see the beauty of this world that this world that we're created for. And help us to know that Jesus, as he was lifted up on the cross, shows us who he truly is. Lord, please might we be those who believe, who find security and safety in him, and live. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.